Pat record now. Make sure it's sweet. Yeah, sweet. If you just just say one, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah, sweet. Hang on, right. Stop recording. Oi, oi, you naughty lot. What are you all saying? Welcome back. It's officially a hat trick. This is the third Chubba Base podcast. Thank you so much to everyone that's listening, that's sharing, that's messaging me about it. You're all absolute legends. Um, if it's your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. I really do appreciate it. If you enjoy it, please do go check out the other episodes I've uploaded in the past as well. Um, today's episode, I'm joined by someone I've wanted to get on the podcast for a long while, actually. It's another Dan. This time it's Dan from Sad Boy Race Club. Now, if you've not heard about the brand, I'll explain all about that. And Dan will explain all about that in the podcast itself. But a massive thing that we're going to be talking about today, as well as all the car spiel and just chatting rubbish, is really we're going to be really talking about mental health. I think it's a really important subject that more people, especially men, need to talk about. So I can't thank Dan enough for how open and honest he was about his journey with mental health. And uh, yeah, please do go check out his page because what he's doing is awesome. What I want to say before we get into the podcast is if you're affected by anything that we talk about today, please do go check out the charity links in the description of this podcast. But yeah, that's enough spiel from me and enough chatting rubbish. I really hope you enjoy it, but let's get into it. Yo, welcome back to the Chubb and Base podcast. Today I'm joined by Dan from Sad Boy Race Club. Dan, how you doing? I'm good, man. Are you? Yeah, all blessed, bro. I see you putting your thumbs up. Well, don't worry, this ain't going on YouTube, this one. <laughs> Is it not going on YouTube? Nah, we're just recording today. <laughs> we're just recording today. Is this why you've made an effort? You've dressed up all smart, the beard's looking nice and tidied up. I don't know, man. I was going to suit up and everything, but I decided not to. <laughs> oh, mate, honestly, if I was in a suit, I'd look like a bouncer on the camera, so that's probably why I'm not <laughs> I'm not recording it for YouTube. Plus, the state of my spare room, I don't really think it would be worthwhile. I thought you were going for like, the relaxed look of all that. Yeah, this is the distressed, mate. This is like, this ain't even shabby <laughs> chic. This is like mess. I've just yeah, painted yeah. the house, so this is why the spare room's looking a tip. Um, with you, with you. For our yeah, watching, yeah. my spare room looks like a shithole. You're not, so you're not <laughs> going to see it. So imagine that in your head, audio descriptive and that. Anyway, back on topic with the podcast. So I've got Dan on from Sad Boy Race Club for a few reasons, really. Uh, first of which is I don't know massive amounts about the brand. I've followed the brand for a long time. I don't know masses about it. So for me, it's a cool learning curve as well. I also work in the mental health side of things loosely so it's cool to chat about that side of things as well and yeah i just think it's doing a really really good thing so i thought we'd get down on and we'll chat for it today and see kind of where the podcast takes us once again because it worked really well with other dan from broke boys before we're going unscripted with it so we're just going to see where the mood takes us it's a friday night we're recording it on so it's the end of a working week as well which helps we're feeling a bit relaxed i see dan's got all the beers already mm. he's living the dream <laughs> gotta be done man gotta be done so, so yeah, let's get into it. Anyway, right, so first question I'd like to start with with a lot of people because I feel like it, it gets us into the mood for the podcast is let's talk about your car history before we get into the brand. So what was your first car? My first car was, oh man, it was a Vauxhall Vectra. That's Vauxhall a... Vectra. Yeah, with a, with a mighty 1.6 um, petrol engine in. What so year was the Vectra? This was a 96 and this was... Ooh. 13 14 years ago so the story behind it was basically my my mate's mom had one okay my mate's mom had one and being 17 18 new to cars and it was a 1.6 this was the fastest thing on earth this thing properly <laughs> shifted 
<laughs> and so I was like, I'm doing everything. So this was this was back when you could um, questionably get as as like a named driver on a policy. So it was my mum's car, and I was a named driver on it. And, I, can't, uh, I can't really imagine you're going to get pulled and they're going to go, oh yeah, this is what car a 17 year old buys for himself. So you must have just got well, away exactly a bit that, easily. And that's why insurance was reasonable because no one in their right mind at 17 would have a Vauxhall Vectra. And it was like a, it was like a purple as well. It wasn't Oof. even like a proper blue. It's a, it's a nice purple. With a, selling with a it to me, bro. Man, it was, it was something else. No, I blew the head gasket within two weeks and then spent about the value of the car having it rebuilt at a garage. Oh, you didn't get a new car after that? You rebuilt the, no, you no. Rebuilt the gasket? Mad. This was it. I was like, I've just put, because like, I, I wasn't giving it, I, was, I paid for it with my money. Okay. Like, I, I, like, this is when I knew nothing about cars and like just scrapping a car wasn't a thing. It was just like, man, I bought this car. I need to, I need to, repla- uh, yeah. to repair it. So yeah, spent about 800 quid flipping having the, the head gasket done. It was, it was crazy. But uh, yeah. So your first car was a proper salesman rep spec Vectra. Yeah, not even a good salesman, like a proper, proper like low grade. (laughs) Run of the mill, entry level crap salesman, printer cartridge salesman Vectra. The interesting thing I heard there is you were saying that you didn't really know much about cars. So were you, you weren't into cars like when you were younger really, or? No, I was, I was was a massive cars, cars person. My my mum and dad have, have always had sort of fast forwards and, XR2s, XR3s when, when I was yeah, growing yeah. up. Stuff like that, Citroen AXs and all that sort of stuff. I, I love cars. I've always been into cars from sort of day dot, really. But the mechanical side of things, yeah. I, I was sort of, I did the basics. My dad did bits with me, but not enough, you know, compared to what we could do now with cars. And, you know, obviously people of that age will do now. Um, no, it was, it was, I was sort of slow on the uptake on that sort of thing. I kind of learned with mates. So, yeah, I was, I was very much reliant on my dad and then paying garages to do bits of work and that sort of stuff. So, I think that's yeah. the natural progression of it, though, isn't it? Like, you get your first car, you either break it yourself or something happens and you need to learn to sort of fix it on your feet and you sort of go from there, really. Like, I can remember, like, doing stuff on my driveway, breaking the car, making it even worse. But then you sort of learn, okay, well, if I've broken it this time around, I'm not going to do it the same way next time. You slowly sort of learn. Here's me saying, exactly. I'm crap with cars. I I didn't do my engine conversion for anyone's watching. I didn't do my own engine conversion. I was the T-boy. But I've learned bits and bobs. I can sort of make my way. If my car was to break down, I might not know how to fix it, but I'll know what's wrong with it to go and take it to the garage and chat to them about it and this and that. But I think naturally you sort of learn on the job, don't you? You sort of learn as you get interested in different types of cars and this and that. So Exactly. And and, uh, interestingly on that point now, when you say, you know, you you, you paid someone or you're getting someone to do your engine conversion, Certain things now, and I don't know if it is for you, but certainly for me with, with life, certain things aren't worth your time doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you and mean. If you can make it more sense to pay someone to do it, especially if it's your only car and you need that car and you can't wait till the weekend to scrabble around and do it, there's, there's elements I think now that it kind of makes sense to just get someone to do it, especially I if you know somebody in the garage, cash in hand. Mine was, mine was two mates and they just... Um... They just offered to do it for me. We worked out a deal with them and they were brilliant. They're really into their cars. They know the VR6 engines like the back of their hand. So it kind of worked for me like that. But at the same time, I was there watching them do it as well. So not saying I'd be able, be able to do it again, but I do know the basics on how to sort of look after the car and work bits and bobs and sort of, yeah, just learn little bits and bobs on the job really. So it seems yeah, to me man. looking at your Instagram and looking and chatting to you, we have quite a different taste in cars. I think so. Although, 
my earlier car choices would probably be in line with, with you now. Okay, so what have you got at the minute? Well, maybe not now. At the minute, I've got so I've got the the GS three hundred as the daily. As a daily. Um, as a daily, yeah. Two J or one J? It's two J. You're balling, bro. No turbos, but um, for what it is and for what it does, it's brilliant. Um, and I've got the Pipe R, the FM2, so that's that's where the money goes. Um, and that's that's getting to a point now where I'm, I'm really happy with. Um, and then I've got um, just for the, well, I bought it to move house, but just for a laugh was the Astra Estate. Motor, which, absolute motor. Absolute, so yeah, that's that's been ruined now quite. Now it's done its job, it's been <laughs> slammed and whatever, but yeah. I kind of liked it. it. It oddly harps back to the Vectra, the first it's, car. It's touching on them heartstrings. Yeah, I kind of like reminiscent. A friend was selling it, and I was like, ah, oh, it kind of nostalgia took over, and I was just like, <laughs> I can rent the van and do, do, do it sensibly, or pay four hundred quid for an extra estate and just have a laugh with it because it's got just how much beat it about. It, and it's just funny. I, I, I do like it. It's growing on me, man. I so, um... yeah, that's the plea. I'm interested in the FN2 because I was never a fan. Never, ever a mm. fan of FN2. I'm not really a massive Honda nut. Um, I like an S2000. I definitely own an S2000. I love an SX, but Civics and that don't really bother me. And my best mate, Josh, he bought a FN2, what was it, like two, three years ago? And when mm. he first bought it, I was like, why have you bought this? They're not partic- They're not crazy quick. They're nope. a fair bit of money. But as soon as he got it, I was like, this is the bollocks. This is sick. And actually, if I had the money now and someone said to me, right, here's five grand, you can go and buy an FN2 or or an EP3. I'd buy an FN2 every day of the week. Yeah. I really That's like it. them. They're nice cars. And it's, I mean, for me, I'd only had two two or three Hondas before that. Um, and only had one with, with proper VTEC, who's a, a B18 converted. Um, it's the MB3 shape. So it's the, the, you know, like the Rover 200 saloon. Oh, shapes. yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's what you're one about. of those. Um, and it was a ropey piece of shit, but it had basically a B18 and a straight pipe. And when I was experienced <laughs> VTEP for the first time, I was like, this is incredible. Because we, I was always used to be a VW guy, and I used to, we used to knock Hondas in the VW scene back in the day because yeah. we just didn't understand the hype, just that ignorance. But yeah, so I, I got the FN2 as a sort of, I was going to consolidate down to one car and I wanted something fun, but it could be safe. So it's got Isofix and all that sort of stuff in it. So I got that and. Yeah, I've, I've had it. It'll be five years this year, and it, it's just been immense. Have you and tuned yours at all, or is it is it standard, like engine wise? It's no, well, it's got um, a mapped. It's mapped. Um, it's a Paul West mapped ECU, and then it's just got an intake and a and a cap nice. So it it does it does what it needs to do. It's, it's like you say, it's not crazy fast. They're not, but what they are is fun and very. Yeah, addictive. they are really. Yeah, I think. There you go. That's hit the nail on the head. Addictive is the word. Mm. Like I think it's the fact that to get the most out of him, you really have to drive them. And actually, yeah. I can appreciate that. I kind of like that because we yeah, can yeah. all go and buy a car. Go out, not knocking anyone that's got like a fairly cheap turbo car, but we can all go out and buy Coopers, Golfars, what other turbo cars there? Like the T Sport Yaris's and stuff like that. And not T Sport Yaris, Turbo Yaris's and all this sort of thing. But they kind of have power on tap whereas with a like k20 lump you really have to work it to get the power which i kind of like it's what i like about my vr6 i have to drive it to get the most out of it which is the fun well that's it similar similar sort of ethos isn't it high revving 
want to be thrashed engine. I mean, I've given this Civic four years of death. Absolute <laughs> death. And it's just They fine. love it though. They love it's, the it's abuse. Absolutely fine. It's just you know, you you stay on top of maintenance and all the rest of it, a bit a bit more so for that type of engine, but yeah, it just keeps going. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's sick, man. I like that. So yeah, it sounds like you've got an interesting uh, array of cars. You've got the Astra Daily, the Astra yeah. Beta, the Astra GS, Beta. GS Daily, and then the FNT Yeah, and the Honda Toy. So yeah, no, it's a, it's a nice mix, man. I like it. It's uh, it, it does everything. I mean, I will consolidate down at some point. You know, I'm, I'm aware that I'm, I can't have stupid cars forever. So the, the Civic's going to be staying for it. I'll never sell the Civic. The, the Lexus is... As much as I love it, at some point you'll go, and the Astra will probably get scrapped anyway before the next MOT. But and that's probably when I'll move to something a bit, I don't know, like a, a, a fast Beamer or something. You no, know, I like the, the one forty or something like that. The the way um, that everyone seems to be moving nowadays. I yeah, think that's the part that you get to tie between the two, isn't it? It's one of those exactly. It's that achievable, yeah. easy power that um, for a daily would be would be ideal. So yeah, it'd be sick, man. Yeah. Right, okay, so I think we've we've got onto the topic of cars, we've worked out why you like cars, what cars you own, first cars, that sort of thing. Let's get into the brand. So, Sad Boy Race Club, what year did you start? So, it started in 2018, August 2018. Okay, so you haven't been going massively long. No. Well, I have actually been. probably been following you not long after you actually started the brand, so... Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's been short, a short space of time, to be fair. Um, it's It's grown to what it is pretty quick. Um, but what what's good about it is it's grown very organically. Uh, I haven't I haven't pushed it. I actively haven't um, so much anyway. But yeah, no, not not long at all, mate. Not long at all. So let's talk a bit about the ethos of the brand. So what what made you start Sad Boy Race Club? So it was started off um, so, so following on from my own sort of um, struggles with depression um, and anxiety. Um, and the want really to, to create something um, that I never had, which was a, a sort of support space um, and sort of a like-minded community um, that you could chat to, you could you could go to for a bit of comfort, you could go to for some sort of relatable stuff. Um, it, it was sort of the idea sort of came about when I was I'd gone through my initial diagnosis of depression with my GP and um, waiting for for um, counselling treatment. And there's just nothing. And when you're in that space and you've just come to terms with, okay, this, this is what I've been battling for months and this, this is what I'm going to have to deal with now. It's all a little bit weird. There's just nothing. You have to just wait and wait until disappointment comes through. Yeah. So there's nowhere to go. There's no one to talk to. You feel like you, you're the only person with this. You feel like you can't, a lot of people say, yeah, come and you know, chat, whatever, which is wonderful. But sometimes you just want someone to go, oh, yeah, yeah. This is exactly how I feel as well. And that just wasn't there. So it was kind of, yeah, but basically off that. Um, and I, I came up with the idea sort of as I was going through that, but I knew that at that time I, cu I couldn't do it. I wasn't meant to be yeah, there. So I, I get had that. To wait. And it was a good a good year, year and a half before I sort of felt sweet enough to actually start it up, which was, which was August, yeah. I have to say I'm really glad you did because for people that don't know, I've mentioned it before, but I work as a youth worker, but part of my job is I work... Um, I run a group called Shift M, so it stands for Shifting Mentalities. So I basically yeah. work in high schools ages 11 to 16, and basically we break down what it means to be a bloke, basically what it means to be a man. So we talk about male mental health, 
the mad high suicide rates that are going on. We talk about healthy relationships and that it's fine to like to show your emotions, but actually when you look in the media and look at different stuff, there's there's not really much support for blokes out there. I'm not saying there's there's not good mental health support for everyone, but especially for males, like I mm. find that it's so lacking. So actually when I saw Sad Boy Race Club for the first time, it was a real breath of fresh air because one, it's cool that blokes have a space to go, but actually the fact that I've spoken to you in the past and we'll talk about it a bit more in a, in a little while, but the fact that you don't see it as an earner, you're not doing it to be a business. No. And that's what I really like because people will naturally see that there's brands that want to push mental health and this and that. But when they're a brand, they're also seeing that, well, they're not doing this for the passion they've got for it or that they want to help people. They're doing it because they want to make money. And I think naturally that people can see that and it puts them off. But the yeah. fact that you're doing it simply because you want to make a difference is amazing. I think that's what gives it more of a chance to make a difference. I'm waffling on a bit, but I think I hope you get the gist of what I'm saying. I think no, no, absolutely, man. It, 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 yeah, you're hundred percent right, and it's you know it's the ethos of what it is, and and that fact that it's not it's not a business. It's like I said to, to earlier. I, I have a full time job. I don't need another income, and it's not why I do it. And to the point, if it was my income, I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, it would take away from from what I want from it, but yeah, I suppose it 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 will always ever be only ever be me. I, I yeah. have people that help, and you know, as a guy that runs the, the Facebook sort of monitors the Facebook side of things. But when it comes down to the the posts, the relatable stuff, who you message when you message into Subway, it's always ever it's only ever going to be me because the whole point of it is it's like an extension of me, my opinions, my my experiences, my my knowledge of what I've gained. If if it was to be a business, I'd have to bring people in. I'd have to expand and you know push out that way, and, and it would just take away the, the personal sort of thing. So, I think I really like that because sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Karen, what were you saying, mate? No, it's, I was just going to say I was going to finish and say, look, it's it's it will never grow to the scale that it could because of that, and I will never change that. And I'll I never I... want to get it to that point. I really like that because I think some people would look at that and go, oh, well, he only wants it to be him because he wants to sort of glory hunt or this and that and he wants it to be me, blah, blah, blah. But actually, I think when you break it down, that's a really good thing because what you're saying is it's not supposed to be a brand. It's supposed, to, like you said, that extension of you. And I think, I don't know if I'm reading into this too much, but would you say that Sad Boy was created to help you as much as it was to help other people? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. It's, it's you know, it's a massive thing and whilst people think to talk to me is to help them and you know we chat we can signpost and everything but if i'm feeling shit and then someone's messaging in and we're just chatting that is that conversation that perks me up as well and, and more to the point you know when people message in and, and with the positivity and the, and the nice messages and the support it's such a nice nice feeling because you know you, you're actually making a difference and that's that's all i really want from it is to to know that if i'm helping someone then that that's that's it that's sorted that's a goal yeah it's, it 100% is making a difference as well like if I look at not even just the fact that people recognize the brand but I think there is so much more support and people especially in the car scene are so much more open to the fact that they might be suffering to what they were like I can remember obviously I've only I've only been driving seven years but when I probably got into the car scene maybe like 2015 so mm. six years this year and you'd never hear of it you'd never see someone like on their 
Instagram or anything openly talking about the fact that they were struggling. Whereas now it's not as big as it could be, but people are so much more aware of people's needs, but also have that confidence to be able to speak openly about the fact that they're suffering, which I think is so dope. Like the Because there's nothing harder than actually opening up. Like it's so easy for you to just turn around and be like, when your mates ask, oh yeah, I'm blessed, I'm all good boys, like don't worry about me. It's so easy to do that, but actually to turn around to your mates, especially like on a platform where so many people can judge you, like social media, I think it's so hard to just be open and honest about things. And that's a breath yeah. of fresh air. I think yeah. naturally like the brand has had a massive impact on that. Sad Boy Race Club has had a massive impact on people doing that. That maybe yeah. you can see. Yeah, definitely. It's it, it's it's nice to see. Um, and yeah, just echoing what you say, it just wasn't a thing to actually open up, especially in the car scene. It's such an image conscious um, scene, you know, and people are trying to build the best car, build show cars, do this, do that, do something different. The last thing people want is to be perceived as having a weakness in the form of mental yeah. health. Um, it's really and I'm sure it's still actually. there. Yeah, it's still very much there. There's a long way to go, and but to know that it's that sad boy is having some effect is is brilliant i mean mental health awareness is 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 increasing generally anyways and it's it's a lot better than it used to be five years ago but um i think and with sad boy especially it's the relatable aspect i think needs to be pushed more yeah you know, with celebs coming out and, and doing this and that it's brilliant it brings massive awareness to it but you can't relate to someone who's got a four million pound house in essex and whatever else it needs a lot more people everyday people with families and kids and stupid cars and whatever to also come out and say well, fucking yeah i've got all that but i'm still i'm still suffering and then people will be like oh shit yeah same as me i think that's that's where the focus needs to be really 100 percent. i think it just needs to get to a point where we all are just talking and not hiding behind these posts that we put up because we're all guilty of it like we naturally show our best portrayal of ourselves on social media we don't post when we're having a bad day really as much as which i understand because you want your social media to be bubbly and happy and people to see that you're loving life on holiday oh, i've got a new job i want to show people this oh, i've got a new car but i think the problem is we also look at that and see other people's profiles and go oh well they're doing so much better than me in lockdown they've just got engaged or they've just got a new pet or oh they've got a new job whereas actually then you're not seeing the fact that they might not be happy with all that or they might be struggling or something a parent of theirs might have died or a family member of theirs might not might have died yeah we're, we're you need to take everything you see with a slight pinch of salt like yeah. someone else is always going to have something that you've got and you're always going to want something that someone else has got so naturally we need to stop seeing it as a game of top trumps on social media and need to just realize that we should be there to support each other rather than try and one-up each other constantly yeah, exactly right, mate. Exactly. I mean, that social media thing—it's—it's it's interesting because I was—I was speaking to a friend earlier who I haven't seen for a, since the start of the year, um, and he had no no idea of the situation I'm currently going through, and he was like, "Oh, you know, to look at social media and stuff, it, you wouldn't tell." And I was like, "Well, yeah," and that's not us actively trying to be positive. I suppose you are in some degree, but you're not forcing it. But it's—it's it's like you say, it's social media. You don't see the negatives. Um, and with something as as serious as mental health, but something that's so easily hidden, it, it can be the it can be the worst thing for it, really. Yeah. Mm. So, 
my brain just completely just died on me there. So with Sad Boy, do you find that you get that you've increased the amount of messages that you get from it? Like, is, is are you getting more and more people being open with you and and discussing things? Or yeah, it was. I mean, this year probably not so much. I mean, it's it really peaked last year for obvious reasons. You know, yeah. with with COVID and everything, people being forced into isolation. Um, with, with spiraling mental health issues was it was just you know it's it's petrol on the fire isn't it it's it's horrendous so yeah, there was a huge increase sort of mid mid last year um but generally this year i'd say there's been a decline now i don't know i don't know why i was thinking about this here but i don't know what it is i mean i'm still in the same situation um yeah i don't know whether it's because the lighter evenings are coming and that maybe to, yeah. to you know immediate thought but it's winter it's depressive it's we're in a lockdown um do you think i'd be flooded but it hasn't been as bad as i thought it would be certainly less than last year um but yeah it was i mean when when sad boy first started i didn't set myself any boundaries on on what i should be dealing with there's a fine line of when it needs professional input 100 percent. i didn't outline that enough and i had to i had to put that in because i was getting i was getting dragged into things with like people actively you know, on their way to commit suicide and stuff. And to have to deal with that is, you know... It's not it's not your there. job at the end of the day. And no, you're, it's not. It's, it's not your job for one thing. You you shouldn't have to take that on for someone. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing that you do, but at the same time, you're not the best person to deal with that. No. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's not obviously not the first thing, but there's the legality implications and what's right and all that sort of stuff you really do have to consider. So... I have put in strict boundaries now that it gets to a certain point and I have to say, look, I've given you my advice. This is what I think. We've had a chat, but here's here's the right way forward for you. Yeah. And doing that has, has helped me massively as well. I was about to say, I was about to ask, like, how do you, because you, as you said, you, you struggle with mental health yourself. You suffer with depression and anxiety. Mm. How do you keep that balance of making sure that your mental health is safe because i know for me i've never struggled with mental health condition i have adhd but that's not really a mental health condition but it is depressing when i work with kids and families and stuff like that and you have to really learn to desensitize yourself sometimes and i have to make sure that like when my get when i come in i'm like upset my girlfriend knows like cool she'll leave me for 10 minutes i'll go and chill myself out and i have to yeah. come home and make sure that home and work are separate but obviously the brand isn't your job, but you're committing this time. How do you kind of help yourself? How do you keep yourself mentally sort of sound with that? It's a lot of, I don't know, it's a lot of coping mechanisms. I did CBD, CBD, not CBD, although that's probably a good help. Um, it's the, the cognitive behavior, behavior therapy, CBT. CBT. Yeah. <laughs> CBD would help. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I did that and it's obviously, um, it teaches you how to manage low mood and spiraling mood and, and that sort of thing. And I did it about three times and it, it did help eventually. So I use a lot of that. I lose, I, I've been able to sort of build myself to a point where I can switch off in some sense and mm -hmm. I can distract myself by doing something else. So I can go and sit and forza for a bit and just unwind that way. Driving through the whole sort of background to that boy, it, it's there. I, I promote it for a reason. It does work. Um, but it's been, it's difficult, and to, to start with, I couldn't, and I'd be I'd be up till midnight, just I couldn't sleep, just with people what people are telling me and, and this sort of stuff, and it, it really did have an effect. So 
Um, it all came as part of that whole sort of boundaries thing I've put in. Yeah. Making sure I'm, I'm giving myself time and, and shutting down from the messages earlier, you know, calling it a night and just putting the phone away just to help myself. It, it needs to happen because it is, it would be non-stop otherwise. I think it's good that you've said that, but also I think the other part, which I was going to go into, but it naturally comes in better here, is I really like the fact that you promote these other charities yeah because i think i don't know if you've you i know that you promote calm a lot i don't know if you've used calm in the past or anything like that but i think calm is sick like i think they're awesome yeah i did i've no i've not used them um in any way i just like the way they they went about things um and i like the the, they, the focus on the youth side of things but it's it's more relatable um it doesn't feel as sort of formal as a as other charities um so yeah, I worked with Calm. We had a contract with Calm for a while, and then I switched to Papyrus last year. Yeah, I've sold um, Papyrus Suicide Training. Papyrus are really, really awesome charity. Doing some really cool stuff. I use a lot of Calm's um, like utilities. Is the wrong word? What's the word I'm looking for? Like, like all their like um, leaflets and all that. Le- sort yeah, of stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Their yeah. resources. Their resources for my yeah. uh, for my youth clubs and stuff. For anyway, I'll put the links to these charities in the description of this at the end. But CALM stands for Campaign Against Living Miserably. So uh, I think it's Professor Green, isn't it? The rapper, he's their patron for the charity. There's a few now, mate. Yeah, but he's always been a, he's been one of them, yeah. But yeah, they're awesome. So if anyone's struggling that's listening to this, like go and check out these, these pages because as much as it's brilliant that you might have a support network around you and you can go and message Sad or you can go and message Dan, etc. It's always good if you are really struggling to go and seek professional help. Yeah, I think, 100%. I think it's awesome that you're really comfortable talking on here because I think that's, for me, like I said, I've never struggled with a mental health condition personally, but when I talk to my young people, especially the young, the young lads, for them, that's the biggest hurdle is the seeking the professional help and they'll do everything they can to put that part of it off. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, um, something that has, has sort of helped recently and, it, and it's something that, um, it's, it's definitely been a change um, in the NHS side is, you can a lot of places do self-referral so yeah. i've used it um and it cuts out the gp entirely um and you can just basically phone them up and say look this is this is what i'm struggling with um and they will suggest various things so that's where the cbt comes in and, and group therapy online really cool. I like that. That sort of thing. yeah I like that and that's gone down really well so when someone's saying to me like oh, i'm struggling with this i don't want to go to the gp i'm like you don't have to as long as it's in your area and yeah. active search it you can sort yourself out that way and it seems to help also text text helplines as well yeah what's the one who was like is it crisis there one called crisis there's one called crisis i know calm had one i don't know if they still got it but um it's brilliant because you, you know it's it's same as i suppose face to face anything you know verbally telling someone is difficult but texting i mean if you're going to text me on instagram dm me on instagram you can text someone professionally trained who will help you so that's that's been a huge thing and i think that needs to be more of a, a mainstream thing is is the tech side of things or, or web chat or whatever yeah i think i think you've hit the nail on the head there again i think that's for them is the biggest part it's almost like if they say it they then admitted it which is yeah. is is brilliant if they can but i think the first step is being able to just write it down or be able to write how they feel text how they feel and I think that naturally is easier in anything. Yeah. But if they can do that to a professional who can then help them access other varied 
ways of support is brilliant. So, yeah, but as I was going back to the point I was saying, I really like the fact that you promote these charities because it would be all well and good if you were Sable Race Club, we're here to help, blah, 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 but you just kept it as that because naturally you're going to work yourself into the ground trying to help mm. people, but also the people that are messaging you aren't then going to be getting the right right type of support. So, Yeah, yeah exactly that. It's... um. I looked at the whole charity thing. Did I want to be a charity? I don't want to be a charity, but for those reasons, exactly, mate. It's it's uh, it's a lot of work. At most, it was going to be registered as um, a community interest company, CIC. Okay. So everything money made through the business is, is managed by a is a, by specialist parties to ensure that that money is kept either within the business or goes towards the community. Yeah. So that's what I got to, but. It, it hasn't got to that stage and for the reasons that I don't make enough money to, to, to warrant it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's registered, it's trademarked, it's all the, all the good stuff. Um, but it, it's just never got to that level. I don't think it ever needs to, you know, we, we, we support the virus. I'm, I'm signed up with them. They get 10%. That's what we agreed with them. They're, they're more than happy with that. Um, and I'll continue to work with them or we'll switch to another charity. If it doesn't work out, it's, it's as simple as that for me. The, the goal was always, the focus was always being helping people and supporting a charity and that's that's what's happened so I'm, I'm happy with that you know i think it's nice that you've kind of stuck to the roots and what i wanted to touch on i think you've covered quite a lot of it already from speaking earlier but i wanted to really ask and talk about the fact that you because i found it really interesting the fact that you said earlier um, on text the other day that you don't want it to be a, a massive thing mm. And I, I kind of, don't, I hope you don't mind talking about that, but I really found that interesting. And at first, I was a bit like, well, surely you'd want to help as many people as possible. And I think that yeah. is your, I think that's still your goal from the sounds of it. But you don't, you, you talk about it because I think it yeah, worked. No, in your words, it sounds right. better. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those. I mean, it's, I don't want it to be massive in the sense of it being a brand because you're going to lose focus of, of what the purpose of it is. Um, and and also, like I said, you if. Because to get to that point, I'd have to bring people in and, and lose a personal side of it. Um, it is an extension of me and everything I've been through, in my opinion. And that's how I always want it to be. Um, I, I, I think if it was a business that I was looking to profit off, I would lose all, all love for it. Um, you know, the, the brand side of things and the clothing and the stickers has always come from what people want. People want to represent the brand. People want to wear the clothing yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. I do that because people want it. If someone said you can't do that tomorrow, fine. It, it wouldn't bother me. I'd just focus on the awareness side of things still. That's the main focus. But, it, you know, it's it's one of those. I mean, in terms of, of what you're saying about helping as many people as possible, I think it will it'll grow naturally. I've, I've, gr I've watched it grow to what it's at now with, with very minimal... You know, I don't do promoted posts on Facebook or Instagram. I don't. I haven't paid for any sort of promotional marketing or anything like that. A few, you know, influencers have helped me. Jamie Fyd is a, a good mate. He's a, he's a supporter of it. Um, Monkey London have shouted out. I think in the past, maybe, but, but that's about it. And it's got to the stage it's at now with you know over ten k followers just from word of mouth and just people understanding what the brand's about and wanting to follow. I don't want to force it on people because when you force it on people, you, you attract the wrong people. It's there. I, I just want it to be known as, as what it is. And I think in the car scene, certainly, it, it's it's well known now. So if, if people want to support it and want to help, they'll, they'll come. I think people so, naturally gravitate towards something that's not 
forced as well. Like, I think yeah. it's really easy to spot when a brand is being fake. It's as easy to it spot is. when a person's being fake and people will naturally be put off by that brand. So I think that's helped towards your success. Yeah, I think so. It's like no one wants something forced on them. And, and there's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that mental health is still a taboo subject. It's still, I mean, a lot of people, like my grandparents, God bless them, didn't even know what mental health was until I started doing it. Because they're from that era of, well, just just get on with it. If you're a bit sad, just just cheer up, man. Mm. Do you know what I mean? With, with the, you know, in the nicest possible way, there's a generation divide. And it's only in the recent, more recent generations like ours that mental health is, is being addressed in the way it should be. Yeah. So there's still a lot of negativity around it, but a lot of people don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, they, they don't support it. And that's fair enough. So I think to push it on people that don't want it is just going to create negativity that I don't really want to deal with. Yeah, I get you that. Know? I get that. Yeah. So what, I think, what? I mean, for people that grow brands out there to support mental health, I've, I've seen it and, you know, it's, it's the internet, isn't it? It's, there's negativity everywhere and someone will always be negative to anything. Um, you know, I, I follow a certain brand that's, he's, I know he, he's out there to, and it's his, his life, his job, his, his earning, and he, he gets a lot of negativity from it as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a... You push it, you put yourself you put yourself in a path after a while, don't you? Especially if you yeah. are a big brand and you are successful from it. As soon as you start to make money from it and people are actively handing you cash, which is then becoming your money. Like at the moment, mm. Sad Boy, the money that's going into it isn't really going to you. You're not in it to make money. So people no. can't really have a judgment of saying, Oh well, he's obviously charging too much because he's bought this or he's bought that. Whereas if you were a brand, someone might turn around to you and think, Oh well, I've given her 30 quid for a hoodie she's obviously charging too much because she's now driving this car he's now bought this house etc etc and i think it, it gives yeah. people more of a place to judge you as a person which yeah, is a shame definitely. really because if you like a brand you should just support it it doesn't really matter if you yeah that's it i mean how many people you know buy a t-shirt from vans and whatever mind about the price like if you like something who cares what the ceo of vans is doing with that money no one cares it's that's what it is but you know it's just touching back on the the whole sort of why i don't do it for a living is because i like the fact that i can buy the more premium garments i can drop ship i don't have to buy in bulk um the the, the quality of the print is nuts it's, it's you know it's, it's really good stuff so if i was earning a business i wouldn't be able to do any of that because i'd be looking for the cheapest garments that i'll make the yeah. most money out do you know all that sort of stuff and i i you know honestly i would hate it so to be able to be in this position is is really good for me i really like i really really like that because i think it's a it it's a really if i was looking at it from the outside and i hadn't spoken to you more deeply about what you've said before this podcast i think i would really struggle to understand it because if you have a passion for something you naturally want that passion to be your job or suddenly be your career and i would be if I was just talking to you from the outset, I would be like, well, surely you're not that passionate about it if you don't want it to be a success, but actually listen to it. The passion is the reason why you don't want to push it because it would lose what it's supposed to be. And I really, really That's like cool. the fact that you want it to keep its roots and just stay as what it should be, which is mental health support rather than mental health support and money or mental health support yeah. success. So I really, I really, really do do like that. And I think it's a real breath of fresh air, mate. 
the other thing I want to, this is going a bit deeper now but um what I want to talk about is you've said that you've struggled with mental health in the past and mm-hmm. there's um there's bound to people that are listening that struggle with mental health conditions themselves I wanted to ask for you what what's been the hardest part about your journey admitting that you suffer from mental health because you said earlier is it is a taboo and I hope that's not a really difficult question if it is we can come back to it in a little while but I wanted to know like what have you found the hardest since and what's helped you to kind of make that easier I think the hardest bit was sort of acknowledging acknowledging that I was struggling at that time because I mean I've always had um I've worked myself up in my career to 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 naturally stressful jobs the industry I'm in and the positions I hold um demand stress basically it's, it's a very fast-paced environment so I've always been in stressful positions at the time when I was, I was coming to terms with depression I was in a very stressful position, a sort of needlessly stressful job. Um, and I was expecting my son. And a lot of life things sort of happened. And not fully understanding mental health or coming to terms with depression, I was of that sort of male, I just take it on. You've just, you're the man of the house, you've got to sort it out. Yeah. Just move on, move on, move on. Bottled it up. So the, the hardest part was sort of finally admitting that I had a problem when... I should have been the happiest person on earth because I've just had a son, a married, good job, everything like that. And I'm, I'm sort of there like, well, why am I depressed? Like, I've got everything that would warrant me to not be depressed. Yeah. And it's, you feel bad for it in a weird way. You feel like you, it's not, if you try and ignore it and you feel like, well, it can't, I can't be like this because of all these things. So I think the sort of self guilt, if you like, is a feeling like you're letting people down as well. You feel like, you know, I'm, I'm meant to be there as a father, as a, as a husband, and I feel weak now. So I'm letting other people down. And what do other people think of me? And what are they saying behind my back because I can't do this and this, you know? It, it's that element that was, was really the most difficult part for me. Um, but with that and with time and, and, and everything else and, and talking to people, it, it, it got easier, but it weren't. It wasn't quick at all. It was, you know, years before I sort of accepted myself and accepted what I was dealing with and accepted that it wasn't a weakness. And I think, well, it, I think that's a, a lot of a lot of what similar guys would be going through as well, especially guys, girls as well, obviously. But it's more more to do with the male male role and the male. Sort of you don't want to be perceived as weak, yeah. Yeah, and it's no, I find it really, involved. I find it so strange. Strange is the wrong word, but I find it hard to to get to grips with the fact that as males we will see that as a weakness. The fact that you're admitting that you're in pain, yeah, like mentally as well as physically. Like if you broke your arm, you you're not going to sit there and hold your arm. Some blokes do because they want to act hard but naturally if you break your arm during a football match you're going to go and you're going to go and talk to the doctor and be like I've broken my arm I need it sorted but yeah. you'll put off you'll put off the fact that you're staying awake at night struggling massively with anxieties or depression or every day you're waking up not feeling like you've got a sense of purpose and you will because I, I, I've i not suffered with mental health but I know what it's like to wake up and, and be like what the hell am I doing with myself today uh, but I know how to, like you said, with the cognitive behavior therapy, I know how to get myself out of that and realize, right, okay, yeah, yeah. if I was struggling with that every day, I'd think I need to go and do something about this. I can't live like this. But I think we're yeah. so 
worried as people nowadays of what people are going to think of us that we mm-hmm. risk our own safety and our own our own health like I, when I do this shift M group that I spoke about earlier with these lads, we one of the sessions is also of male male mental health and suicide specifically. We talk about the fact that like more people die, the biggest killer, sorry, of men under the age of thirty five is suicide, more yeah, than yeah. anything else. Even though one yeah. in two people get cancer in their lives, but suicide kills more young men than cancer or anything else, which is fucking mental when you think about it. And I we sit in a room and I say to these guys, if you saw um, if you saw two girls sat in a room or sat in the in the lunch hall crying, what would you think? And they'd think, oh, I hope they're all right, or oh, blah, blah, blah. You, wouldn't really, you don't really bat an eyelid that it's an unnatural thing. But if you saw two lads crying, you'd think, it, what the fuck is going on? You'd be like, whoa, yeah. what is that all about? And I said to them, I said, I said, how many of you think it's wrong as a bloke to cry? And they'll all be like, no it's absolutely fine to cry but then at the same time when they see their friends cry and it naturally they're like that's a bit fucking weird yeah and that's the bit i'm trying to break down i just i find it so mad that we almost take on this pack mentality when it comes to being with our yeah. mates or this and that we want to just be seen to fit in rather than to be the one that leads good mental health yeah exactly and just it's interesting you say that about the lad you work with so my son is five um and obviously growing up with me as a dad and, and my, you know, what I do is sad boy and stuff. And and his, his mum's a midwife and, you know, she, she's been a massive supporter of sad boy and everything else. Uh, and very understanding. Um, we were, This was about a year ago we were talking and, and some, I think we were watching something and there was a guy crying on the TV. And my son was like, what's the matter with him? Boys don't cry, men don't cry. And I was like, where has that come from? Like, that's obviously not something that we've taught him. Yeah. But of all people, we're the last people to say that. So where has that come from? Well, why is that a thing? No one's taught it him, but it, it's still there. It's it's you pick it up naturally. It's such a weird thing because I can remember when I was yeah. a kid, like my dad. I, I didn't live with my dad long when I was growing up. That's a whole different story. But my dad was always fine if we cried. He wasn't like a hard up dad or yeah. this and that. Suck it up. But you go to school and suddenly it becomes this thing. Even though no one said to you, "Oh, you're wrong to cry." You just sort of naturally pick it up, and it's trying to. I think unlearning something is way more hard than learning something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So trying to so. unlearn that stigma is is really difficult, but I think it's something we all need to push. The fact that it's all right to be sad, there's nothing wrong with having a bad day. Yeah, that's it. And it's, you know, it's it's getting to the point where you can sit in a sit in a pub and just tell your mates what the fuck's going on. Like It's like you say about the broken arm thing. I use that analogy all the time. So you break your arm, you get a cast, your mate draws a cock on it, and then you don't go into work. But you'd never, ever phone your boss up and say, do you know what, man, I am I'm just can't come in, I can't face it, I'm doing this. It's a why. why it's the same with your mates as well, why would you just tell them? It's it's crazy. And, and you know, it, I, I always like it, as, as everyone is, you know, years ago, I'd, I'd go to my society and really believe in depression and that sort of thing. And it's took some... If, if anything, karma struck me with it, and that's what I learn about it now. But it's, you know, it's that it's that willingness, and I think it's just years off. You know, my my honest opinion is it, it is we need years and years, and just an infinite more mental health resources to, just to, to break it down and normalise it because it's just it, it's so far off. 
But yeah, no, that, that thing about Spurs yeah, was proper took me back, man. I was just like, what the I hell? bet that's really interesting that you said that really, yeah, really I was just like, where's that even come from? It's, I don't know if it's like you say, that pack mentality, do you think it was like a school thing? And like, as soon as he's around all the, the lads, even at that age, it's all a bit like, do you know what I mean? That natural mm-hmm. male bravado. And it's just kind of like, well, that's it now. We're like a pack of men. I think, that's a, I think that's a massive part of it. I, mm. I don't want to go into this too much because it's it's a can of worms that I don't want to open and not be able to close again. But I think this Sarah Everand murder, the scene yeah. I mean, is, is obviously the hot topic at the moment. And naturally it should be about men and um, how much 97% of women being sexually harassed. And actually, like, I feel really bad for saying it, but you, I have noticed like in my friends and or previous friends and this and that like things that I'm a bit like maybe you shouldn't have done that and but mm-hmm. it sometimes it takes for someone to pull you up on it for you to yeah. think like fuck like okay yeah it's mad isn't it I've, I've, think... I'd say the same mate just thinking back to things that were the norm almost to do and say and it's just like no, it's, I don't know it's, about it's that horrible now. it's horrible that it takes something like that to help you change your ways or, or help you recognize and do things to to make the situation better but mm-hmm. it's the same with male mental it's why i brought it up it's the same with male mental health it takes like like robin williams i think was the start of the modern kind of mental health in males yeah because he was seen yeah. as the happiest bloke in the world and made all these amazing movies and this and that and suddenly sadly um, died by suicide and i think it's it, it's crazy to think that it takes something like that before we as blokes suddenly realise we need to do something to help ourselves. Yeah. But moving on from what we've said, then you said about your worst experience, which I really appreciate you being so open about things, because it must be hard. But it's brilliant that you are. Not as hard anymore, mate. I'm, this is this is the downside with sad boy in some respects. So I'll fucking I'll free people out of it now. I'll just tell people off the <laughs> You're bat. So used like, to yeah, you've I'm... almost got a script <laughs> now. You've almost got a script that yeah. you just read. Um, yeah. What I was going to ask is, like I said, naturally there's probably going to be people that are going to listen who may be struggling with mental health themselves. What Have you got any sort of top tips that you would say that would make it an easier process? I know everyone's process is different with it, but have you got anything mm. you would say, not even top tips, but words of advice that you'd give someone struggling with mental health just to help them? Yeah, it's a difficult one. And, and I think that the two things is, is one, the, the distraction element. Um, distraction is a huge free tool if you like to to take um take your mind away from things and change your mindset so the smallest things it's just all about keeping the mind occupied and, and keeping it away until that low point passes that's something i've learned massively um and secondly i think the most the most important thing is not to get too hung up on why you're feeling that way why say say if you you you're feeling you know when you're feeling rough don't you you know when you're not yourself yeah. and you may be thinking right okay I think maybe this is depression, maybe. Don't then go into why am I depressed? Because like I said earlier, with the whole, I had, I was living a, well, I still am, good life, you know, married, good job, career, kids, happy, financially good, still depressed. So you get yourself into that spiral of thought and you can make things a hell of a lot worse. So I think acceptance is, is key there. Accept as an issue, accept you're not right. And then proactively look to solve it. Almost like don't try and justify your sadness. Exactly, because I've, okay. I've had a lot of messages from people saying, like, I don't know why I'm like this. And I've said, don't get hung up on that. Look at how to fix it, work with people to fix it, accept it. 
accept it to a point where you can talk about it and, and help yourself but don't get hung up on why you're depressed because it it's not a good place to end up so it's all about that sort of distraction and proactiveness i guess of, of moving forward and, and getting the help you need um and obviously speaking up to get that help i really like that mate love it awesome can't say much more on that Appreciate <laughs> it. i was going to move into q a questions next but none of these fuckers gave us any q a questions so you've let no. us down boys and girls well we got a few but we got a few which we will go through but i put it on mine but i don't think my instagram's been working because i put it up and people have messaged me saying they'd ask questions but they haven't come through um so i'm just gonna try and think of some off the top of my head i didn't get many let me uh while you're thinking let me check see right, if any more oh yeah because you just didn't put it up that long ago no. i know one of them was what's your favorite current car so let's go with that one while you're looking what is your favorite car that is out at the moment Oh, out and about that, not necessarily mine. Um, yeah. I don't, oh, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? And I, I'm probably going to get slated for this one. Okay? You know that Porsche, the four-door Porsche, the electric one? Titan. The Titan. Um, they man, are bad, boy, aren't they? They are bad. I went to the office like a month or two ago and someone was there with one. And I was like, this thing is unreal. Unreal. Um, yeah, that's that's mine, man. That, that's for me. I'd definitely have one now. I think they are cool. I think because I I like a Tesla. I can't deny. It. I like I sat behind a Tesla Model X, which is the big four by four, and I was actually like, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty sick. Like it was a blacked out one as well, black alloys. But when you see one of those Porsches come past, the presence that they level. have, the yeah. presence that they have. I think yeah. for me, what car do I like that's out at the minute? I'll tell you what, the new that oh, this is really bad. It's not out at the minute, but I really like the new Honda NSX. It's a Honda. I was quite surprised I said that. Yeah, man. Honda I'm NSX, with you. I'm quite sold by that. Yeah. The reason I've said that is because the one I was going to say is really stereotypical, but I'm saying it anyway. When the Mark 8 GT, when the Mark 8 Golf came out, I thought it was the most butters thing I've ever seen in my life. The new Golf, I thought it was horrible with this phone unlocking system and this and that. But I saw one of the brand new Club Sport ones came past me earlier today. They are sick. They're so cool. Yeah. I think I feel like they're like the FN2. The FN2 you could release this year and it would still look like a new car. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I'd I don't agree think they point. look yeah. old at all. And I feel like that's no. what the market GTI is going to be about. In 10 years' time, we're still going to sit there and think, that looks like a brand new car. I do. I mean, for me, like I think I touched on it earlier. I used to be. So when I went from my Vectra, which was arguably the best car ever, <laughs> which wasn't i then went to a, a volvo 850 t5 because oh, go on lad yeah because i was obsessed with btcc that's what me and my, you my went from a sales rep to a high-end 1990 sales rep undercover police car yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was basically working to pay for the insurance and petrol at like 19 it was ridiculous but after that i got into vw so i had um i've had mark three polos i had a corrado I had a Mark II Golf on five carbs. I've had the Sats. Um, I had a good innings on the VWs, and I was a pure VW. Everything else is shit. Love VWs. And then I sort of got a bit older, I sort of started branching out into weird and wonderful stuff. But um, uh, Golf, for me, I think because of that, I've always looked at the new ones and like they're a bit bland. And the more I look at them, the more I realise that's just generally cars these days. And I think it's that easy power is you know it's safe 
but fast and, and whatever else. It's why cars are gone, isn't it? And yeah, you think like I think what was the statistic I read the other day in Top Gear magazine or at work on the Top Gear website? I think seven out of ten cars now that are being sold are auto. Yeah. Whereas you think back when I passed my test, there was still a fair few autos on the road, but it would be nowhere near that. Yeah, it's going to get to the point soon where no one's going to take their manual driver's license. People are just going to take auto licenses, and we're all just going to be driving autos. And you've got to think now: is is that the better way? I'd have a DSG box looking at some of them because they're just think, nuts. I think the thing is, in modern society, all we're looking to do is save time in whatever way we can. We want to save time or save money, but time is the biggest one. And it's such weird things, like the fact that we now have finger. We went from fingerprint unlocking on phones. We've now got yeah. camera recognition. We've gone from entering a pin code to, to then having contactless on, on our card. Now we've got contactless on our phones, and it literally saves you maybe point two of a second. Some of these things. Yeah. Like how long does it take you to put your code in on your phone? A yeah. second at most. But we're always trying to cut down on that that bit of time. And I think that's why automatic cars and all these mad features are so popular because it saves you that time. Yeah. And to do, I'm off that a little bit because I've always got an issue with, you know, um, I suppose it's on Tesla and stuff as well. So you've got like the lane recognition, sort of braking, crash detection stuff. You've got the little lights that come up if a car's yeah. passing your blind spot. Do you think that's taken away from the ability to drive those? Do you think that's going to create people that fucking aren't paying attention because the cars before 100%. I can't scare some of the people I see on the road at the minute. Oh my God. I know. Touching on what you said, this is actually remind me of something. Touching on what you said about these like new systems though. My girlfriend um, was at work the other day and her car needs to go in the garage. So I said, well, I'll take it to work because I was work I think I was working from home that day. So I was like, I'll take it in. I'll get the courtesy car, blah, blah, blah. And we took it to the garage. And the garage we got her car from, it's not the most posh car in the world, it's just a Peugeot GTI, but the garage we got it from is like a really posh prestige garage. Yeah. And I was thinking, whoa, what are they going to give me as a courtesy car? They gave me a brand new A-Class, which I thought was sick. Like, it was a nice car. Nice, yeah. Mate, I was driving it, and a, a car pulled out of a junction in front of me there was enough room but he probably should have given it a bit more thought the fucking Mercedes slammed its brakes on I was yeah, like yeah, yeah. what is going on I never knew it had this feature turned on <laughs> so I was in it and I was like whoa yeah and, oh mate it scared the crap out of me because I'd never been in a car that's got it before or I'd driven a car myself that's got it before and honestly it took me by surprise because it yeah, kind of goes for it as well and the guy behind yeah. me whacked his horn and I thought it wasn't me sorry blame Mercedes <laughs> yeah, literally <laughs> Man, it's my uh, my brother-in-law's got a, he bought an Insignia Estate, a new one. It's a real nice car, actually. But it's got this thing where it detects pass, uh, people on the street, pedestrians. So every time it passes someone, it deems too close. It like beeps at you. You're driving down a high street. This thing's going tits, and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I love the it. fact you've brought up that it's an Insignia. I think you've secretly got a little love for Vox crap, Vox. for crap, well, not crap voxels, but just. <laughs> Just pop spec voxels. Oh, mate. I tell you, give me any 80s voxel. I'm all over that shit. I'm even looking at Cavaliers now. Like, man, I'm only Cavalier. There's a lad I went to school. Oh, he was he was a good few years above me at school. What was his name? I can't remember. He had a, he had a weird nickname anyway. But he his first car was a Mark One Astra GTE. Yeah. That's what I'm the story, I'm sure this, if it's not true and people are listening who actually know this story and I'm chatting bollocks, I apologise, but I'm sure this is the story. He was working at some house and there was an old lady that lived there 
and this Astra was sat on the driveway and he was like chatting to her and this and that and I'm sure she's, it was something like her husband had died mm. and she was looking to get rid of it and she sort of asked him oh, do you know anyone that would scrap it for me and he was like well I'll buy it off you yeah, yeah. something like he got it for a bunch of flowers that he bought from the local florist it was like 20 quid he bought her a bunch oh, of flowers and she man. gave him the car and I remember no, it was what? like it was like a goldy it was like you know them proper like 70s 80s colours like it probably yeah. had some weird name like storm storm brown bronze or something like that but it was like proper <laughs> yeah. like it was proper like yeah. 70s bathroom beige but like a metallic yeah. glittery bathroom beige but nice, I thought it was man. sick you go for fortune now Similar story, I was at my, um, I took the Civic for an MOT last week at my mate's garage. A, he's got a DC5 in there. I like that. That's another Honda. I'm learning a lot of Honda. rocketed in value recently for some reason. But basically, the guy who owns that didn't have a clue what it was. Basically, never changed the oil in it. So he brought it in, knocking, knocking like itself to bits. And the guy was like, ah, oh, it needs an engine rebuild. Just scrap it. And my mate was like, oh, I'll give you a scrap value for it. And then obviously Sick. something had happened overnight. Someone had told him what it was worth. He was like, "No, nah, I think I'm going to repair it." Actually, and I went, "What? Well, fuck, you know, uh, integral for two hundred quid." Think about this. Unfortunately, I can't show people on the picture because we're not going to be visual. But I'll show you what I went and looked at earlier today for a friend. Mmm. Nice. Don't see many, man. Yeah, that. So for anyone that's not for well, I'm saying for anyone for all of you guys that can't see what we're talking about I went and looked at a Civic Jordan today for a friend of mine who buys and sells and restores sort of like classic -y cars but he's a massive Honda nut and I told him there was one near me and he was like well we go and knock on the door and I've been putting it off for ages because you always feel a bit awkward knocking on someone's door yeah, yeah. car. but I went and knocked and the guy that owned it a guy called Graham really 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 sound geezer actually I went and knocked on there today on them on the way back from picking up my bike frame. And um, he he was like, car, it's like an omen. He's like, I was literally today thinking about selling it. And I was like, right. And he's owned the car from new. It's on 150,000 yeah. miles. It was his daily for 20 years. No way. 20 years. And I said, oh, I said, oh, you don't see many around. I used to see this one parked at my local train station. He went, oh, that's this one. Because he used to have a personalized regiment. And I was like, oh, mad. And um, he said, do you want to see what else I've got? And he goes, he opened up his garage door and there's a motorbike in there. And I was like, what's this all about? And basically, I didn't realise that the Civics, when they were bought to the UK, Honda also had brought out the new Hornet, I think it's called, which is a motorbike, 600cc motorbike. And they made 50 limited edition Jordan motorbikes that were only available to buy if you'd already bought a Civic Jordan. And he oh, put wow. two together as a package. So he's got no. the bike, he's got the bike and the car, and the, the bike's only done like a thousand miles from new. That's mad. I didn't even know that was a thing. Neither did I. He said bike, and then he was going on about this bike for ages, and I was like, oh, so so like how much do you want for the bike? And he said this price, and I was like, for a push bike. He's like, no, no, come in the garage, he showed me it's this motorbike, and I was like, what? That's mental. So didn't they do something similar with was it the Honda City? Yeah, that and came with a the... moped that was in the boot. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what yeah. I thought he meant as well at first. I was like, oh, you've got like a motor compo. He's like, no, no, like a bike. And I was like, oh, right. And then he pulls out this Honda Hornet thing. And it's sick. Like literally matching colours. They have they share. The, yeah, they sh yeah, they've got the matching yeah. graphics. They share the same numbers, chassis numbers. Nice, Honestly, man. mate, that's, so sick. I think that's going to be worth a fortune, surely. Yeah. The, the Honda's on a lot of miles. It's done like 160k. 
but he's just had it resprayed, which is interesting. So I've got his number. I've sent it to my mate who is kind of interested. So we're going to see. So maybe people that watch my YouTube as well, you might see this car on the YouTube channel at some point. But yeah. No way. That's sick. I love stuff like that. Little quirky. Little I know. I love the stories behind cars. I could literally, like, yeah. half the stuff I watch on YouTube is literally people buying random bags of crap, but they've got a cool yeah. story behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm into that, man. Love it. Did you get any? Did you get any good questions on your on the Instagram? No, mate, nothing, nothing. People let us down. Disgusting. The trouble is, I think the thing is, mate, I do it too often. I'm just like, yeah, let's ask me anything, and then I'm just exhausted. Every, so. Everyone's already got your answers to all the questions yeah, they're asking. Yeah. <laughs> people know too much about your life. I think for me, I put it on at the wrong times as well. I put it on like even late at night when people are at work, and people are like, oh, I'll ask it later, and then they just completely forget. So yeah, we, we won't go too hard on them for not asking us questions. No, um, we'll what do I want to know? Because I got you here, I might as well ask you questions. What is here? You go. We're talking. We're just going to stick with cars now because I like talking about cars. What is your favourite car of all time? Mm, it would be the NSX man, original NSX. Have you been in one? Never been in one. Never been in one. Um, but I've just got for a while. I got obsessed with just the backstory behind it, and just the development of it, and and the purpose of it, and what Honda wanted to achieve with it. And for me, it's just awesome. Yeah, just everything about that car is just absolutely awesome. It's definitely it's on the it'd be the first car on the lottery win list for sure. Interestingly, I'd have an old one and a new one because the new ones. I really like the new one. The new one's sick. I've only ever seen one of the new ones in real life. Yeah, I've never seen one. I've never seen I've one in real life. I've seen one in real life, and that was on the forecourt of my local Honda dealership. And it wasn't. They weren't even selling it. They literally had it in to get customers in to have a look at it. It's promo. Yeah, man. No, I'd love one of those. Um, second to that, in um, McLarens. I've got a massive thing for McLaren at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never been a supercar guy at all. Never interested me. And to, to a degree, they don't. But something about McLarens, I think they just look mental. I think, for me, the thing with McLaren is they brought out... Obviously, McLaren came... They had the F1. The F1 came out, which was an amazing car. But I... For people who are going to hate me, I think the McLaren F1 is honestly my most butter supercar I've ever made. I think it's disgusting. It doesn't yeah, look nice at all. I like it. I'd, I'd own one, but I don't think you can call it a pretty car. It's not a supercar that's pretty. And then they worked with Mercedes and bought out the SLR, which I thought was amazing. I thought it was sick. Then they made that horrible MP4-12C thing, which sounds like a like Bosch washing machine, yeah. which, again, is an amazing car, but not pretty. And then suddenly, out of nowhere... They just start making these incredibly beautiful but really amazing supercars. It just sort of like came yeah. out of nowhere overnight. They found it, didn't they? Because they've always been about the purpose side and the the function of it, like you're saying, the, the looks of it. They never really there. had like like if you buy a Lambo I know people say it all the time, it's really cliche, but when you buy a Lambo or a Ferrari, people go, It's got soul, it's got soul. Like it yeah. feels like a but actually I think McLaren have finally found that and their cars are starting to have that. Yeah, they look out of this world, man. They look out of this world. One of the directors at my place has got a 720S. Yeah, there's a guy around here who's got a 720. And when you see it on the road, you just look at it, you're like, that is yeah, amazing. The rear end of it, just the ex everything exposed. It's just like, it's, it's sick. It's so, so good. Sick. Yeah, it sounds nuts as well. So you'd have an NSX yeah. and a McLaren. I think so, man. And then just or all the stupid NSXs. shit that I usually get in the middle. Me and my mate, the one who the one who I showed that Civic to, we play GTA most nights. Or if we're not playing GTA, we're on the phone just talking rubbish. And um, I'm literally always on the phone to him, like, oh yeah, if I want a lottery, I'd buy one of them. I'd buy one of them. I'd buy one of them. Yeah. 
And it's always like weird cars, but I think the car that I'd buy, first car off the lottery list would be an F355 1990s Ferrari. Oh, yeah. Which a lot of people don't really, they say, oh, it's not a proper Ferrari, it's like a proper hairdresser Ferrari, but I think it's weird, like cars that you see as a kid are the cars that you normally naturally gravitate towards. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I, I think, think I so. watched, I think it's because I watched James Bond Goldeneye, which is like the first James Bond film I ever watched, and he's racing one, and I was yeah. like, that is so sick. What's the one? What's the one on Bond that was the? Was it a Lambo that? No, it was a Lotus, wasn't it? That was um, amphibious. Oh, the submarine car, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mate's dad actually had one of them in blue, which I thought was pretty yeah. cool when I was a kid. I thought that was pretty sick. The ironic thing with with that Lotus is if you did try that with so many holes in it, you just sink to the bottom anyway. It's a Lotus. Again. It's a Lotus as well. Exactly. <laughs> be rusty as soon as it sees the water. Yeah, That'd be it wouldn't make mate. it to the water. <laughs> it's made like ten minutes from where my missus is from. We drive past oh, the Lotus yeah. showroom like whenever we go see our family. I used well, to work, so I did an apprenticeship out of school in um, a Lotus and TVR body shop. Just oh, really? Yeah, man. Yeah, what I was it called? Um, it was called Option One. Because oh, there's a Lotus, there's a garage near me called Carriages that are a TVR and Lotus specialist. Yeah, so he's one of them. And honestly, the build quality of TVRs is just frightening. <laughs> they were horrendous. <laughs> I'd still but, own one. A Cigaris, oh, mate, I, that's 100%. probably one of my cars I'd buy straight away. I think yeah. they're, so, they're just mental. Have you been in one? Like, sort of the, I've the sat in one. With, um, can't get out of them. The, nothing's labelled, nothing's in a conventional place, is it? Like the no, like the door handles. The door handles are like either in the ceiling yeah. or on the dashboard. It's a popper in like the, the back seat or something. I think I'm stuck in one. We're going off tangent here, but I'm kind of liking this. I'm sticking with it. I think the thing I love about TVR is the fact that they were made out of parts bin parts. So if you look at a TV, I can't remember what one it is. I think it's a Sabera, if you call it a Sabera or Sabira, whatever you call them. They've got upside down Montego headlights, I think it is. Yeah, that's it. The yeah. rear lights. And TVR sounds like a really like racing, proper like passion for cars. You think it's going to stand for like turbo vector race or something like that. It literally stands for Trevor. It, Trevor. <laughs> TVR. Did you not know that? No, TVR stands for Trevor. Trevor. <laughs> The guy wearing TVR was called was called Trevor, <laughs> and I think that is just the best. It's so British, yeah, the man. fact that we we name a car company like a quintessentially British car company, Trevor. Yeah, I think did it's you, just. Did I you ever watch? There's a Top Gear where they had three British cars. Yeah, they have. What did they have? The Elan. Rich Hammond had the Elan. Yeah, had an Elan. Oh, Jens, um, Jensen Jensen Healy. Yeah. And um, May had a TVR, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Because it was before they had like, they the lifted, names. Yeah, they lifted the carpet in the boot, and it was, the guy who built it and wrote his name and then drawn a pair of tits. And yeah, it just said Nobby. <laughs> Nobby. I literally Nobby, watched yeah. that episode the other day. Oh, mate, love it. So good. That's a different don't get, don't get cars like British cars. Like, we just. Oh, you wouldn't find that in your Honda, would you? No, hundred percent, mate. No, <laughs> if I did, I'd take it back. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> Love it. Well, I think we've naturally brought ourselves to the end of the podcast. By the sounds of it, Dan, yeah, I man. think we've covered a lot of stuff. Before you go, I want to say a massive, massive thank you. One for just coming on, because thank you for coming on. It's nice to have different people from different walks of life, etc. But I also really appreciate your honesty in it. Like, I think it's difficult to come in here and be as honest as you have been. So, thanks so much for that. No, man, it's good. Cheers, cheers for having us on, man. It's uh, it's good to talk about stuff um, like this and, and, and get this out if it's going to help. You know, if you can show it to the guys you work with, the lads in your job. 
anything I've, like that, mate, send them my way. It's um, it's it's yeah, no, it's a good thing. I see one of my kids wearing one of the sad boy hoodies every week. I was like, that's sick. Like that's well cool. Never. A lot, of them, a lot of them are into cars because I live in like the middle of nowhere like or I, I used to but where the town I'm in is a bit of like a nothingness town a lot of them are into cars yeah. quite early it's just the one thing that everyone sort of gets on with so I see them in like Broke Boy stuff or Strictly Static stuff or I see them in like sad. I've seen them in your stuff as well one of them's got like a Killer Wipers hoodie they're like obsessed with so I see them in that I'm like oh I know all these brands no way that's sick so but yeah, once again, a massive thank you to everyone that has listened. Thank you for Dan for joining us. What I will also say is I'm going to put the links to your brand, the obviously the page, the website, but also to the charities that you support as well. I'll make sure they're all listed. And for anyone that has been listening today, the struggle with anything, if you want to message either of us, you can, but also I can't drop it into enough. Go and seek professional help. Like As much as it might feel hard at first, I think, as soon as you start to open up it just becomes easier so 100% so yeah but to end on a high note thanks very much we'll have more podcasts coming out more YouTube content coming out as we're soon allowed to travel again seems like the world is going back to some form of normality so yeah from me and Dan it's thanks very much and peace out see you guys later yeah so there we have it that is the end of the third Chub and Bass podcast got plenty more ideas in the works of people that i want to get on and a few different guests and some really decent people to uh to get on and chat rubbish with basically won't tell you who they are yet keep it a little bit secret but what i would say is if you guys have got any ideas any ideas i should say of people that you want me to interview or topics you want to chat about just drop me a message chubs and scrubs on insta chub and bass on insta always up for new ideas car related non-car related because i like meeting new people like learning about different brands so just hit me up. Um, once again, massive, massive, massive thank you to Dan from Sadboy Race Club. What an absolute legend. Just how honest he was is just amazing to see. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is, I've said it enough times, but if you were affected by anything that we spoke about, please do check out the awesome charities in the description. But also, if you've noticed a difference in your friends, people who are struggling with mental health are normally the best at hiding it. So if you do notice a bit of a difference in your friends or a family member, drop them a text, give them a call, give them a hug. Sounds cliche, but let's spread love, not hate. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate it, and I will catch you on the next one. Peace.